Well, Jan, I believe that uh, our speaker this morning would uh, really appreciate that song that we just sang. He doesn't come as a professional pastor, as a professional missionary. He comes just as he is, our friend Trevor Garrett, because our brothers and sisters are presenting Christ in their own neighborhoods around the world just as they are. And oftentimes, I think we get this idea that you have to be this or you have to be that to be a representative of Christ. We're just reminded that God uses ordinary clay pots just like us. Brother Trevor, start making your way up here, and uh, I'd like to say a prayer blessing on you before you speak. Uh, Trevor uh, was raised in Nebraska. At least he's not a KU fan, but... uh, (laughs) And he, uh, he now lives in the uh, Denver area, uh, recently made a move out of corporate America into um, representing into God's corporation. And so uh, he's going to speak to us uh, from God's word and um, then also hopefully challenge us. My friends, when was the last time a full-time career missionary went out from Flint Hills Church? Now, I know that we are representing Christ in our own world around us. My prayer is that as we continue to do that, God is going to call one of us to missions around the world. And whatever that may look like, partnering with indigenous people, um, training indigenous people, my prayer is that God's call is going to fall upon one of our hearts. And um, this is just one way that we can do that. Father God, I lift Trevor before you. I pray that you would embolden him. I pray that you would give him liberty of tongue. Just allow him to relax and and to speak what you have laid on his heart as your ambassador to us in the moments ahead. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. God bless you, brother. All right. As long as I can get this working, I think we'll be okay. All righty. Um, actually, that was a great song to intro into this because I'll just be honest with you. Uh, the eight-hour car drive out here and the last uh, three weeks since I accepted um, this invitation to come speak has been anxiety-filled. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's a lot of weight to stand up here. Uh, I've, I've stood before a large number of people like, um, like you were talking about before in the corporate world. Um, giving presentations and forecasting sales stuff, et cetera. Um, that's kind of my, my niche. Um, there's a lot more weight here when I'm speaking and I'm reading from the Word. Um, and uh, I, I pray that God uh, uses, actually His words are coming out of my mouth um, and that it does impact you guys today. Um, wasn't going to really start with this, but I'm going to now, especially after that last song and, and a brief conversation I just had in between the session. Um, come just as you are. Uh, I grew up the first half of my life, uh, and some of this is repeat from Sunday school. Uh, We went to church on Sundays because that's what you did. Uh, You get home, take off Sunday school clothes, go get your buddies, go play. Um, There was no consequence there for me or for anyone in my family. Um, We moved to Colorado, and my mother had become a Christian, and she started looking for churches to go to. And this will be a little bit of my testimony for you. 
So riding bikes with my buddies out, and there's a church down at the end of the street, and they'd hand out popsicles, and they had a soda machine. Soda's rolling a quarter. Um, and some of you kids especially are like, what, a quarter? Um, and it was the same thing for us. A quarter was great for a soda. And so one day we, we gathered up all of our quarters, and we went down to the, to the church at the end of the street, and uh, there was no one there. So we couldn't buy our sodas. I looked over, though, in the room that the soda machine, machine sat in, the window was open. So what do you think a sixth grader thought? I'm, good, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to buy my sodas for me and my buddies, my pocket full of quarters. I'm going to climb back out the window, and we'll be on our way. Uh, no, no ill intention. There was you know, no destructive behavior, et cetera. But in my mind, I was okay in that. My buddy standing behind me, who's supposed to be my lookout, not a very good lookout, and I'm one leg in this window, and I hear someone over the top of me say, what are you doing? And I look up. It's the pastor of the church. Um, you know, in that moment, you have a lot of options. Jump on your bike, run away, you know, whatever. And, and uh, I, I, was, I was raised in that traditional that you, you, you take responsibility for what you did. And so I went into his office, and he called my parents, and I, got, I was grounded for a week. And that was, the, that was the worst thing you could do to me was put me in my room for a week. Um, but what that pastor said to me, he said, I'll tell you what, we'll let all this stuff go. I just want you to come to youth group one time. So, all right, fair enough. They've got popsicles and soda. I'll, I'll go to youth group. So I go to youth group, and ever since then, my life was changed. Um, through high school, I was on the leadership team um, uh, in my youth group, uh, went on those mission trips I was talking about, et cetera, um, and I was still kind of dumbfounded that, that God chose me. Um, you know, I, 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 like most of us, have been through trials and tribulations, and I find myself unworthy many a times. I had this conversation just this week with my wife. I said, I, I feel really unworthy standing up here and, and preaching the word to, to the people here at Flint Hills Community Church. And she said to me, well, if any point in time you feel comfortable, that means you think you're on the same line of God. It's probably a bad thing. So it's probably okay you feel uncomfortable. And so I'm going to take that into, into today. Um, but with that being said, um, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you two stories that happened to me in the last 18 months. And again, it was a little bit of encouragement in between this last session to share with you these things. But um, December 2019, uh, it was December 15th. We came home for church and uh, my wife hadn't been feeling very well. She had been changing medications, et cetera. She had a telehealth medication call. They changed it again, um, was ensured she could take the medications together. That was not the case. Uh, I found my wife pretty much unresponsive. Um, I had my 14-year-old son call 911. Uh, ambulance got there, picked her up. They said that she had a pulse and she was breathing. Take a couple hours and then come down to the hospital. There's nothing you can do right now. So I thought, okay, this, it, she's going to get through this. It is what it is. So we go to lunch, we go to the hospital, and I walk into the emergency room, and I say, I'm here to see my wife, and she says, last name, good last name. She looks up at me immediately and says, your kids can't go back there. That's obviously something that you don't want to hear when walking into the hospital. Um, I go around and go into the room, and I see my wife, and she's intubated, she has all these things hooked up to her, and they've got it on monitors, and they didn't tell anybody I was coming back into the room, and one of the docs or the, the nurses, et cetera, was on the phone to other hospitals looking for organ transplant recipients for my coded wife. Now, I didn't know any of this stuff was going on. I'm hearing it firsthand from, from conversations that are happening, and they don't know I'm in the room. Um, it, was, it was in that moment that, believe it or not, I found peace. I went back to that time where I accepted Christ. I went back to those things, and I said, I have never been hit so hard in my life. What am I supposed to do? It was a phone call with my father, um, and he told me, he said, you know, Trevor, I'll tell you what, this is going to be hard. It's going to be long. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. But one thing is for sure is your three children are going to watch how you walk through this. And they're going to watch to see how you hold on to your faith, etc. 
um, and they're going to be better for that in their marriages, um, in their jobs, in their work life, um, just in general. My wife made a full recovery. She was in a coma for seven days, the longest seven days of my life. Um, she makes a full recovery. A month and a half after that, her sister gives birth to a baby who pretty much had a 100% fatality rate to, from the get-go. Um, but my brother and sister-in-law decided to have the baby anyway. The baby lived 49 hours and then passed away. The significance to that story, though, is that I have uh, my, my extended family, and my in-laws specifically, um, there's been some rocky relationships there. And um, God used that moment to bring that family together and tear down walls and used a little baby boy that only was able to live for 49 hours um, to, to basically remold a family and to focus us back on Christ. And I tell you these things because as I stand up here and I'm, and I'm going I'm to read out of uh, Romans 10, we're going to talk about missions, um, I don't know where I would have been in that moment had I not had my faith. You know, when I look at people that are walking through struggles in life, I, I ask myself, man, like how, how can you get through that if you don't know the saving grace of God and you don't know the other side of that? And, and it really baffles me how people can get through that. And you want to know why our society is the way it is and suicide rates and those kind of things is because we don't know that truth. Because a lot of times, we're, we're, whether we're scared to or we're shy to or whatever, but we don't want to spread the gospel. And it doesn't take us going to another country to do it. It takes us telling the person at the grocery store or the person who mows our lawn, etc. And I, I can get on to tangents about that. But I wanted to kind of preface that um, so you guys know who I am and where I come from. Um, I've been with Christian Aid now for about seven months. Prior to that, I was with um, an organization called Lifeline Children's Services, pro-life adoption agency. Um, and before that, I was in the corporate world and made good money, all those kind of things, but something was missing, and I knew I had a bigger calling. I didn't know what that was, and I was hesitant to find out what it was. Um, I wanted to write my own story. It's much more comfortable writing your own story, but the fact is God's got a story for you, and it's way cooler than any story that you can write for yourself. Um, it's not always going to be fun, but there's going to be learning lessons for it. So as we get into this, um, I just, again, want to give you some context of who I am. Um, we are going to get into Romans 10. And to give you some context of Romans 10, the Apostle Paul single-handedly wrote 13 or 14 books in the New Testament. Um, he was not an original disciple, uh, but he was radically changed by God from a Pharisee-type Jew who murdered Christians to a follower of Jesus willing to die for his cause. Even though it's the last letter Paul wrote during the mission journey, Romans is the first of Paul's writings in the New Testament. This is the only writing that Paul had that he didn't have a specific reason for writing. In fact, before this letter, Paul had no previous relationship to the Roman people. This letter was written at the end of Paul's missionary journey, and many believe it was Paul's attempt at spreading the gospel westward. Many people considered uh, Romans to be the most impactful and applicable book of the Bible. Um, and in Romans 10, Paul discusses what Moses wrote about law and how nobody could fulfill the laws that were being asked of us, which is why we desperately need Jesus so bad. The first point I want to make is salvation. The first step in evangelism is understanding the weight of the message that we're sharing. It's a big deal, and we have to make sure that we're sharing it correctly. Um, and that's that piece, again, in Sunday school we talked about, um, uh, you know, the, the language barriers, etc. If we if I stand up here today and speak something that changes your mind on your faith or pulls you away from your faith, then I did something wrong, obviously. Um, and so the weight of what we have is so enormous that we've got to make sure that we know what we're saying before we say it and we know the audience that we're saying it to. Romans 10, 5, 13, 5 through 13 says, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law. 
that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing all of his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. A sub-point to that. And a lot of times you guys see this, and, and I hope I don't ruffle any feathers here, but there's a very uh, uh, famous individual who I've seen some commercials on TV who he opens it up with saying, you know, repent from your sins, you're a wicked person, all these kind of things. And are we trying to spread the gospel through fear? I mean, there's so many amazing things in the gospel that, 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 that show us that we have such worth that give us value, our spiritual um, uh, gifts, etc. You know, why are we not talking about those things? Why are we not talking about how beautiful it is um, to be a Christian, to, to follow Christ? And so many times it's, it's through fear-mongering, right? Um, and, and that is true, though. I mean, God, God does get his vengeance, right? God will hold you accountable. Um, but is that how we lead? Um, Paul does not scare people into believing the gospel. He focuses on how good that Jesus came to die for us. Again, the context of Romans 10 emphasizes that the law of Moses gave us is not actually attainable. It outlines perfection, and humans just aren't perfect. Romans 5, 6 through 11. For while we still were weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for the righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, God died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were, excuse me, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled by God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. The fact that Jesus came to earth, suffered on the cross, and, and offers total redemption is evident, uh, is all the evidence that people need that sharing the gospel and sharing the message of salvation is critical. It is paramount. There is no need for fear-mongering. There is need for truth, though. And speaking truth and love is different than fear. My sub-point, too, to that is we serve a God who is present to all people everywhere. We don't bring God places. God is already there. God, whether we want to believe it or not, God is in the midst of the, the war, the, 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 un, uh, the unmentionable things that take place across this world that we see, um, the, the slaughter of Christians in other countries. God is there. It's hard to believe that, but God is there, and we don't need to bring him places Context for Genesis 20, which I'm going to kind of put into this story. There's a lot more to this story, and and hopefully I can can grab this the right way. Um, But Abraham and Sarah moved from a a place called Gerer, ruled by a king named uh, Abimelech. And uh, this is actually the second time this happens. But Abraham lies, and Sarah, that Sarah is, is his sister, not his wife. And because of this, Abimelech takes Sarah as his wife and is punished by God for it. 
So we'll read the verse here, Genesis 28 through 11. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all of his servants and told them these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us, and how have I sinned against you, that you would have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, why did, why did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. And so what do we, what do we see there? As we see, and how, I, how I'm going to say it is we see this almost like it's an arrogance. Um, um, Abraham wants to put God in a box and say, you know, we're, we're better at this uh, and explaining this, and, and since you guys don't know it very well, um, let me deceive you in a sense because in the right time I'll tell you about God and all these things because he's not here, I've got to bring him to you. Um, and, it, and it's through that that other people now face the discipline because Abimelech took Sarah as a wife not knowing she was already married. Um, what if we viewed missions through the lens of meeting God somewhere instead of bringing him somewhere? Missions include supporting other missionaries and other ministries across the world. You can be a global missionary right here. Right here. There's, there, there is the opportunity, and it becomes through prayer, financial support, talents, uh, you name it. Nothing is too small to be part of a global missionary right in the seat that you're sitting. Going to my next point is being a witness. Now that we know what the message is, what are we supposed to do with it? Paul says we're called to share it with everyone we can. That's not just some people, not when I'm comfortable, not when I feel okay about it, um, not if that person's being nice to me. It's everyone we come across. Um, Romans 10, 14 through 17 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what has, excuse me, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Subpoint to lose. This Holy Spirit equips us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And that is what put, kind of pushed me over the edge. How, 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 can I, how can I sit on the same level of God, right? Like, I'm going to be his hands and feet. I, I have that same power in me. I'm, I'm not. I'm human. I'm imperfect. Greater things than Jesus? That's what I have here. Jesus healed the sick. He made lame walk. He helped the blind see. He even raised someone from the dead. Yet we are called to do greater things than that. This is an impossible burden to carry. How is this possible? If we don't have the same miraculous powers that Jesus had, it's not possible. But because we have been given the Holy Spirit, it's possible. None of these things we do in the name of Jesus are on our own accord, but of the Spirit working through us. This should be something of, that brings you great comfort. It really should. You, you have this tool. It's been given to you. Basically, you have this switch here. All you got to do is turn it on. We're not asking you to go out of your way and, and, and learn something new or go back to school or get a, a special degree, etc., if you know the message, if you have Christ in your life, you have the Holy Spirit on your side, flip the switch. Okay? You already have it in you. You just got to do it now. God wants us to be part of his plan. I mean, that's amazing in itself, too. We are called first to recognize our brokenness, second, accept the saving grace of Jesus, and finally understand that he has called us worthy. And so when I stood up here and I told you earlier that it, it, I don't feel worthy to give this, this the scripture tells me I am worthy. 
The scripture says that I am empowered by the Holy Spirit to share this good news. And it's my job to do so. He could e- God could easily save everyone on earth himself, but he chooses us to do it. And not should that be humbling, but we, we should feel a sense of pride there. I mean, God's calling us to be part of his plan. Again, we know God is all-powerful. He could, he could click his fingers and everything's done and good. And there's peace on earth, etc. But he wants us to be part of that plan. Subpoint to that is part of sharing the part of the gospel is sharing it. After we become followers of Jesus and we're waiting to spend eternity with him in paradise, what are we supposed to do? This is not a passive waiting time. This isn't, oh, I'm good now, let's sit back, enjoy the rest of life until I get to heaven. This is an active time. While we wait to be with Jesus, we are called to bring as many people with us as we can. And that brings me back to that story I told you before. Uh, you, you know, I... Um, I've been fortunate enough to, I've coached football for eight years, high school football for eight years. I first started coaching football because I too, as you can tell by my slim physique, played football. Um, and uh, I first started football, coaching football because I loved the game of football. Uh, it was not long after that, though, that I realized that my calling in coaching football was relationships with these young men. And the first time in my life, I was able to look at a 17, 18-year-old man and say, I love you. And they kind of look at you weird, right? And they go, what do you mean by that? But it's, no, it's by, by, because Christ has transformed me, I can have that love for you that is not explained. I don't know how to explain this, but I care for you, I love you. It's the same reason why I find myself in this line of work now. Um, I reluctantly, for a long time, finally walked through that door. And as I got up here, I said, you know, and, and to, to speak, and I was thinking about this stuff, and I thought, well, I took this job, it's a paycheck, right? And I'm doing good things, and I'm trying to justify what that looks like, et cetera. But ultimately, I found out in short order, that's because I love people. And if you'd have asked me this 10 years ago, I, 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 like, I like some people. I don't care for others. Um, but as I've walked through these experiences in life, I love people. And people need to know the truth. And people need to have that saving grace that when they walk into a hospital room and they're faced with that, that I can step back and I can say, it's good. And why is it good? Because my children are going to be able to grow from this, I'm going to grow from this, and the people that I come in contact with are going to grow from this. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We all have the same purpose in life, and that's to do what Jesus says, and that's to make disciples of all nations. We just talked about how the Holy Spirit works within us, and that we just need to turn that switch. God gives us every tool that we need to succeed. All he asks us to do is use it. And I know it sounds simple, and some of you guys might be sitting there going, ah, you know, this is out of my comfort zone. Well, so too is standing up here talking to you today, okay? I'm telling you it is. If you get me one-on-one, I'll talk all day. I can go down rabbit trails. I can tell you stories about my life. I'm an open book. Um, some of them you may not want to hear. You go, wow, that, that, that dude's seen some things in life. Um, but there was a reason for it, and there's a reason why I'm standing here today. My next main point, indigenous missions. Now we're going to get into to the Christian aid mission portion of this. Now that we understand the message and what we're called to do with it, a huge question burdens our heart tremendously. What about unreached people groups? And I can tell you that's true to me. I've already talked about that. It, it truly burdens me to know that there are dead people walking around every day that don't know the saving grace of God. How do we save them for eternal separation from God? We want to take action, but how? Instead of taking expensive and unproductive mission trips, 
like some of the ones we talked about in Sunday school. And again, if you weren't here, I can talk about those, and I, do, I am not putting a black eye or a bad name on Western missions. Okay, I'm talking about what can we do when we feel, A, we're unworthy, or we can't do anything from our seats here in the middle of Kansas. We can do things that make a global impact. Uh, I apologize, I lost my slide. Romans, Romans 10, that's where I'm at. Romans 10, 18 through 21. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? For Moses says, I will make you, a, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hand to a disobedient and contrary people. This might rub some people the wrong way, um, and not necessarily just in here, but when I talk to people across the country in conversation, is that the USA is not God's home base, and I said that earlier. Okay, now this country was founded on godly principles. I'm not taking that away, but this God isn't here. Um, um, and solely here as his home base. I don't have to pack him up into my suitcase when I go on my mission trip and bring my toiletries and all that stuff and to make sure I stuff enough God and Jesus and Holy Spirit into my backpack because i got to take him somewhere else. And what happens if I run out? What happens if there's no more God for me to take? Um, it's an attitude of humility, really, is that God, God is going to do what he wants to do. Okay? And again, I go back to that same thing of we're going to write our own story. If we're going to try to challenge God, I, tra- I, I said many a times in front of friends, family, and probably in God himself saying, you know, you, you, there's no way you're going to use me in this, in this type of setting. And then I got into this line of work and I said, you know, this is enjoyable. He's using me. And there's no way I'm going to get up in front of a pulpit. And I challenged God and God won. And, um, and, and here I am. So Acts 17, 24 through 25 says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, although he need, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. We need to stop thinking that God needs us and realize how much we need God. People can't accept the gospel if they don't understand it, which takes me to this next point. I talked about this a little bit again at... Um, at Sunday school, so if I repeat myself, my apologies, but um, if they don't understand it, you know, if you have two French, and I said it again, if you have two French missionaries that came in, no translator, so they show up at your door, and they want to speak to you about something, how inclined are you going to want to be to let them in your house and talk to them? You, can't, you don't even understand what they're saying, um, as opposed to somebody, your next door neighbor, uh, et cetera. Um, you know, one thing, I, I'll share it again, it was kind of funny, um, I heard it from somewhere else, so I'll admit I stole it. Um, but if you invited somebody from a country where dog is on the, on the menu and they come to the United States and they sit down at a restaurant and they're so happy to see that hot dog is one of the menu items and they order it, you could imagine their disappointment when the hot dog in a bun shows up and it's only partially dog. Um, and that, that part goes a long way. If they can't understand it, if I can't understand your menu item, if, if my word means something different to you, then I can't accept it. I, can't, I, I will never be saved because I'm going to learn something that's not right. I'm going to believe in something that's not accurate. Um, and actually, it might push me further away from my faith than it will be closer to God. John 3, 1 through 4 says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these, these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? The thing about this is Nicodemus knew the word of God probably better than, than most Pharisees. Uh, and yet he didn't understand this part, right? And so he didn't understand what, what Jesus was saying about the baptism, okay? And again, I'm just trying to make a comparison that even somebody who, who knows the Bible, who knows the Word of God, etc., if not explained, if I went and told somebody, you have to be born again, what would you think, right? So if I'm not going to be clear in spreading the gospel, it's pretty much pointless. And again, that's back to the indigenous missionaries. If I show up in another country uh, with my cultures, my language, etc., um, it's I'm going to be hard to be understood. Um, understanding language is only part of it. People need to know that you understand them as well. For this reason, equipping indigenous missions is much more effective than doing global mission work ourselves or alone by ourselves. I'm going to wrap this up, and hopefully I, I didn't go too long here or I didn't go too short, but I have some, some implications. Um, as we looked at Romans 10, we saw life-changing messages we saw that we are supposed to, what we we're supposed to do with it and we saw that even though everyone needs to hear the gospel we aren't always the best people to share it with them what can we do with that information what is god inviting us into a light of what we learned about indigenous missions even though you live here in kansas and that you can insert wherever you want to put in there you can be a global missionary indigenous missionaries all around the world are constantly in need of support this is where Christian Aid Mission steps in. This is an organization that helps empower people to share the love of God where they are. No translator needed. Our implications that I want to leave you guys with, I want you to wrestle with. Number one, the message of salvation is hope. It's not fear. Number two, we don't take God anywhere. God takes us exactly where he wants to use us. Sometimes that means staying right where we're at and supporting those around us. Number three, Part of accepting and believing the gospel is understanding that we are responsible to share it with others. That is our command. Lastly, people can't believe the gospel and have their lives changed by it if they can't understand it within the context in which they already live. I hope some of this was, was, was meaningful to you. Um, if you have other questions for me, I would absolutely be thrilled if you would like to set up some time to chat, even if it's after this, a phone call, a Zoom call. I know you guys love Zoom. Um, or if I can come back out and see you. I love being out here. Uh, thank you again for allowing me to come out and speak the good word of the gospel and being so gracious and patient with me for my first time up here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Trevor. And uh, we would have not have known it was your first time had you not told us. So uh, God has equipped you with a story to tell and the ability to tell it well, so thank you for that. Um, as he talked about being indigenous and just telling the story, I had the rare opportunity in 2003 to look some Indian young men in the eye and to shake their hand, young men who were only 19 years old. But when they put their faith in Christ, their families totally disowned them, and the community said, if you come back, we will kill you. But they were so compelled to tell the story of Jesus in their own language to their own culture that they were accepted into a nine-month training program 
and I got to commission them to take the gospel back to their own people in their own languages. And these young men do not have family support because they were naming Christ in a Hindu community. They couldn't get employment, but they wanted to take Jesus to their people. And that's why ministry like Christian Aid Mission is so close to my heart, that we get to provide resources so that men and women, like the, the boys that I met, can take Jesus to their community. As we take Jesus to our community. I love to tell the story. Some of you are already looking up the page number, aren't you? And I love to equip storytellers. And that's what we get to do. We get to tell the story here, and we get to equip and resource storytellers around the world. Stand with me as we sing a 